Hello, I'm glad you joined us online today. You know, we all live for something. We choose a mission in life, and you can identify our core mission by what makes us the most excited. What do you get most excited or motivated about? That's what you live for. Could be your work, could be your family, could be trying to make more money, grow in status, your walk with God, the ministry of the church, seeing people come to know Christ, the list could go on and on. Today, we're going to see the mission that God gives to all of his people. If you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, he has a mission for you. And we're going to see the mission that we have through the story of Jonah and the big fish. Jonah was a prophet in Israel during the 8th century, around 750 years before Christ. And a prophet's job is to speak the messages that God gives him. He's God's delivery man. And this was Jonah's assignment, but he wanted nothing to do with the specific assignment that God had given him. It's easy to track with Jonah's story. It's in narrative form, and so we're going to start at the beginning. Jonah 1, 1 through 2 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire, a very large and completely pagan city. It was about 500 miles northeast of Israel in modern-day Iraq, and the city is now named Mosul. You may have heard of it during Desert Storm. Jonah hated the Ninevites. They were the enemies of Israel, and they had they were evil, wicked people. They had quite a reputation. They were brutal and vicious. They massacred their enemies. They mutilated prisoners. They were known to dismember, decapitate, and burn people alive. Jonah did not want to deliver God's message to them because he didn't want God to spare them if they repented. He wanted them to get what they deserved. So instead of obeying the Lord, Jonah does this. Verse 3, Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, and he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish and away from the presence of the Lord. Now, Tarshish, Tarshish is... 2,000 miles west instead of 500 miles northeast of where he was. Jonah runs in the exact opposite direction. So instead of preaching the message God commanded him to preach, Jonah goes rogue. Now that phrase, going rogue, originally was related to elephants that are separated from the herd, which is very dangerous for that elephant. Whenever we go rogue, we put ourselves and anyone connected to us 
in danger. In this story, we'll see how Jonah puts others in danger in a moment. In the last chapter of the book of Jonah, you find out why he ran. Let's start there. We're going to start at the end and then go back to the beginning of the story. It's because God desires to give grace and mercy to people near and far, and Jonah didn't want the people of Nineveh to have any of God's grace. Jonah 4.2b is where Jonah explains why he ran the other direction. That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. God's grace and mercy was communicated time and time again throughout the Bible. And this phrase here that Jonah repeats was used often in the Old Testament. He is, God is, a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Through the prophets, the gracious, the gracious, merciful, and loving character of God was communicated time and time again, but it was coupled with warnings. If you keep going your own way, you're going to face destruction. Basically, Jonah hated the Ninevites, and he wanted God to wipe them out. So he refused to share that message from a gracious, merciful, compassionate God. It will help us to understand the definitions of grace and mercy. God's grace is what he gives us instead of what we deserve. The Bible says that every one of us has rebelled against God. We have sprinted, actually, the opposite direction versus living his way, somewhat like Jonah sprinted the opposite direction from this assignment. This is sin, rebellion, running away from God, trying to live life independently of him. And sin causes eternal separation from God. That's the consequence. He is a holy God, and he wants us, those who are made, to be holy. But because of God's grace and mercy, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. So those who turn around from going our own way, they receive the grace of God. That is God's grace. He gives what we don't deserve. Jonah didn't want to have the, the Ninevites to have a chance to experience the grace of God. That's why he went rogue. God's mercy is that he doesn't give us what we do deserve. Just like God gives us what we don't deserve, he does not give us what we do deserve. We deserve spiritual death and eternal separation from God. But he has made a way for us to experience his mercy by Jesus' death on the cross. And he allows good things to happen in our lives. Our lives aren't all bad, even though that's what we deserve. If you follow Christ, you have a mission. 
is to share the good news about our good God who is gracious and merciful. We accept it or we run like Jonah did because we're picky about who we love and who we associate with. Ask yourself, do I have any Ninevites in my life? Let that sink in and consider who this might be in your life. People you dislike to the point that you have malice toward them. Malice is ill will, deep-seated ill will toward someone. If you follow Christ, God wants you to share his message of grace, love, and mercy, even with the people you don't like, maybe that you despise. Ninevites, for you, could be the people who have done you wrong in the past. Athletic people or artistic people. They may drive you crazy. People with kids, people without kids, rich people, poor people, family or extended family, skin color or ethnicity of the other person. Are you choosy about who you show kindness to? Natively, we want to pick and choose who we love and to what extent we will love them in obedience to God. God, though, he loves all people and he doesn't play favorites. He wants us to show his love and kindness to everyone. This is what the church is all about. It teaches us to love and appreciate those who are different from us. We have all kinds of people in the church. And because we love God and want to serve his purpose together, we work together and we show kindness and love to everyone in the church. This is what brings us together, our love for the Lord and the mission he has given us to serve. In high school, I had a very tight circle of friends, mainly athletes. I was really into baseball. In the church, though, God wants us to widen our circle, and that turns out to be very good for us. Some of my best friends now are people that I would have not hung out with in high school But it's been good for me, and they're a part of the church, and I'm very close to them because God, we work together. We work together on the mission. If you just hang out with people with your same interests, you never grow, and you never learn how to relate to all kinds of people. That's just plain vanilla. It's it's not very exciting. I have learned to appreciate the gifts and interests of others as I've matured in the Lord, and it's been good for me. After all, if you think about it, I I didn't hang around band folks in high school. I didn't hang around uh, drama folks in high school. But if you think about it, I don't play sports anymore. What they were into is much more needed. We need musicians to help us praise God in singing. In the church, we rally around our love for God and his people and the mission he's given us together. Let's get back to Jonah and the big fish and, and 
discover another important lesson from his story. God patiently works to get his people back on track. God was fully aware of Nineveh's sin and their pagan ways. Through Jonah's message, he intended to extend his grace to them, offer it to them. God was choosing mercy, which is what he does. That's who he is. While Jonah was on the ship headed for Tarshish, God stirs up a massive storm, and the sailors start connecting the dots. Hey, all our trouble started when this guy got on the ship, and Jonah had already told them that he was running from God, and so it was easy for them to put the two things together. The the sailors start investigating. 1, 8 through 12 says, Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then he, the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the present presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. They throw Jonah off the ship. They take him up on his offer. They throw him off the ship. And the raging sea immediately comes. And here's where the big fish comes in. 117. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Of all that God chooses, of all that he could choose, he uses a big fish to rescue Jonah from drowning in the sea. And it's not a whale. There's a Hebrew word for whale, and this isn't it, but a very large fish swallows him up, and this is what God uses to save Jonah. From the sea. No doubt for three days. It's a cold, wet, and painful experience. Think about the stomach acid trying to eat him up and the oceanic pressure as this fish dips and moves around. There are all kinds of questions at this point. But we're talking about the God who made us, the God who created the earth. He is he works in supernatural ways, and he's not limited to the dimensions that we're limited to. This was a supernatural rescue, and God somehow provided and protected Jonah during these three days. God used this to rattle Jonah. Basically, Jonah, don't run from me. I will get your attention somehow. Don't determine your own course of how you want your life to go. I have a plan and mission for your life, Jonah. And he has a plan and a mission for all of us as well. God asks all of this, uh, all of us this question. Will you cooperate with me according to my plan? Or will you keep trying to live your own plan? From inside the great fish, 
Jonah begins to pray, plead, thank God, worship God. He gets his heart right and comes to his senses. And here's the last part of a longer prayer that he prays. Verse 9 of chapter 2. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. The Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited up Jonah out on dry land. Can you imagine being on that beach when Jonah comes spitting out of the big fish on dry land? If you had a GoPro, that would be an awesome thing to to video. So Jonah 3, 1 through 2 says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. He gives him a second chance, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. He goes straight to Nineveh this time. He wastes no time running the other direction. He delivers his message. Chapter 3, verse 4 says, And he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So Jonah warns the Ninevites that they must turn from their evil ways, and the most amazing thing happens. They turn to God in repentance. And the people, verse 5 says, And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Even the king of the Assyrians, when word reaches him, he turns to the Lord as well. And he issues this decree in verse 8 and 9 of chapter 3. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Something to note. Jonah didn't say, hey, God loves you just the way you are, no need to change. No, Jonah's message was, you guys are in serious trouble. In 40 days, judgment is going to happen. An important first step and lesson we take away from this is admitting your sin, realizing you've done wrong, and that's an important first step on the way to giving your life to Christ. When people stop going their own way in life and going God's way in repentance, he responds. Jonah 3.10, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. I want to encourage you, whatever your past, God is a gracious and merciful God. He's slow to anger and compassionate, and he wants you to experience his grace and mercy. But you must come to your senses and realize the wrong you've done before the living God and turn to him in repentance. Turn around from going your own way and go God's way, and that's how you will experience the grace and mercy of the living God. There are two major lessons 
in this story for us, the story of Jonah and the big fish. When Jonah was praying and pleading and coming to his senses in the belly of the big fish, right before the verse I read, verse 9 of chapter 2, in verse 8, he says something very important for us to, to grasp. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. An idol is anything that you make a priority above God. Could be your family. Could be your friends. Could be a set of friends that are striving to gain wealth or seeking to build status or any number of things. If you're putting anything in your life above knowing God, you are forfeiting the grace that he wants to give you. Don't do that. Don't cling to those idols, but turn around and experience the grace that God wants to give you. If you're a follower of Christ, another lesson we need to take away from this today, God has given you a mission. He wants you and I to share the message of God's grace and mercy with the people around us. Think about who in your life needs to hear that message. As always, I want to wrap up with some next steps. And so here are some suggestions for you. My next step today is to, for the first time, accept Jesus as your Savior and choose to follow him as my Lord. Another step could be to read the book of Jonah and ask God to change your heart. And then a final step could be to look for opportunities to share the message of God's grace and mercy this week. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your grace and mercy and your kindness to us. Help us, God, to turn to you, not to cling to worthless idols, but to turn to you and experience your grace over and over again. For the first time, as we come to know you, Lord Jesus, and Continually after that, may we seek your grace and mercy and allow that to lead us in life. And I pray that, God, you would put it on our hearts to share the message of grace and mercy, your great message, the wonderful news of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. Help us to do these things in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.